Hello and welcome to the Financial Wealth and Health Podcast. My name is Isabel Clausen, an LPL financial advisor, as well as a young professional who wants to help other young professionals feel aligned with their personal and financial values, prepared to tackle their financial obstacles and opportunities, and equipped with confidence to make smart financial decisions. In order to become financially wealthy, you need to be financially healthy. And this is what I seek to help you with through this podcast. Just like physical health requires hard work, commitment, and discipline, financial health does as well. But let me tell you, this effort will pay off more than you can imagine. I want to help you develop a healthy, strong, and thriving relationship with your financial life. Let's grow our financial wealth and health together. In today's podcast episode, we will be talking all about employee benefits. We will talk about the four questions to ask about your employee benefits package. If you want to read the content in our podcast, you could go visit our blog post version of this podcast on www.desertwealth.net slash post slash employee benefits. But before we dive into these four questions to ask about your employee benefits, let's start with our intro segments. So the quote of the week is from Benjamin Franklin, and he said, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Now, I find this quote to be quite witty, but honestly, Benjamin Franklin hit the nail on the head. The more knowledge you have about something, the more confidence you have. And with more confidence, you could take more steps in life, which can take you further in life, thus paying you the metaphorical interest on your investment in knowledge. With that being said, let's dive into the wealth and health life application of the week. This week's application of the week is to run a personal assessment on your financial satisfaction levels in life. I want you to ask yourself these three questions to gauge how you're doing with financial satisfaction. The first question to ask yourself is, am I where I want to be in life with my savings? Do I feel safe and comfortable? Number two, am I content with my job and am I believing that I'm paid enough for my work? Number three, are there areas in my life where I'm spending money to fill a void? It's important to understand how we emotionally feel about our money. Although we do need to look at the numbers with a logical mind, much of the decisions we make about money are emotional, whether we like it or not. So it's important to understand our emotions, and I think it's wise to check in on the more emotional side of money to understand our current level of financial satisfaction. If you're feeling like you're at a good level, then that's amazing. I'm so, so happy for you. But if you feel like you want more satisfaction in your financial life, and if you feel that emotionally you don't feel safe or confident with your finances, I want to encourage you by sharing that you can make incremental, practical, and impactful changes that will create a deeper sense of satisfaction. You can always reassess your budget to see if it aligns with your values. You can always choose a new way to spend money and save your money that works better with your personality with small shifts. And you could try to improve your work life in some way, whether it's making a big shift and asking for a raise or switching jobs. Or maybe with a small shift, such as asking to work on projects that you feel more passionate about. Sometimes we get so stuck emotionally with our finances that we don't take the opportunity to make the little changes. But I just want to encourage you that there's always room to make emotional shifts in your financial life. Hello, Financial Wealth and Health community. We're taking a quick break to talk all about financial planning. 
Have you been wanting help in navigating different parts of your financial life, but you just don't know where to start? Have you had questions about any of the following financial topics, such as the investments in your employer's retirement plan, such as a 401k, a 403b, or a simple IRA? Or have you ever wanted help in understanding other employee benefits, such as health, life, and disability insurance? What about learning how to navigate the basics of your own investment portfolio? Or have you been wanting to learn how to develop a plan to pay off debt or create a practical budget to guide your savings and spending goals? Have you been wanting to learn more about how to plan for big goals such as purchasing a home or saving for your children's future education? At Desert Wealth Management, we help people answer all of these different questions through our affordable financial planning packages. We understand that your financial life involves much more than just your investments. That's why we want to offer services to you to help you in all areas of your financial life, such as behavioral finance and the psychology behind money, cash flow management and budget building so that your saving and spending aligns with your core values, retirement and employee benefits planning, investment management, as well as education about tax, life insurance, and estate planning. We want to work with you in all parts of your financial journey so that you could worry less about tomorrow and focus more on today. If you're interested in learning more about taking part in one of our financial planning programs, please visit us at our website at www.desertwealth.net slash financial planning. We would love to help guide you in your financial journey. Now, back to the podcast episode. Now it's time for the market update section of this episode. The first portion of our market update is from the LPL Weekly Market Commentary, and the second part of the update is from the LPL Macro Market Movers blog. But let's start with the LPL Weekly Commentary, which was released on Monday, March 21st, 2022. Now this commentary is talking all about bonds, and it starts off saying, Core bond investors have experienced one of the worst starts to the year ever, potentially calling into question the validity of bonds in a portfolio. Despite the poor start, we don't think the value proposition for bonds has changed much. Moreover, with yields on most fixed income markets moving sharply higher, now could be a good time to revisit fixed income markets. Starting yields are still the best expectation of future returns and have become more attractive in a number of markets recently. Has the value proposition of the core bonds changed? That's the next question that the commentary asks. Continuing on, it says, with most equity and fixed income markets down to start the year, a traditional 60-40 portfolio has come under pressure. Moreover, seeing both markets down simultaneously may cause investors to question the validity of a 60-40 portfolio broadly and core bonds specifically. For us, the value proposition for core bonds is that they tend to provide liquidity, diversification to equity market risk, and positive total returns to portfolios. Unfortunately, none of those values are 100% certain at all times. Like all markets, fixed income investing involves risk and at times negative returns, although negative fixed income returns tend to be much smaller than negative equity returns. That said, as painful a start to the year as it has been for equity and core fixed income investors, it isn't all that uncommon to experience negative returns for both equity and fixed income markets at the same time. In fact, since 1995, nearly 15% of monthly returns have had both negative equity and fixed income returns. Again, it doesn't make the experience of a diversified portfolio any less painful this year, but we believe it also doesn't change the argument to own core bonds in a portfolio. 
Moreover, with the economy likely in the middle of the economic cycle, the need for high-quality bonds actually increases in our view. That is, the need to offset potential equity market volatility remains an important role for core fixed income. Bonds, particularly core bonds, have been less volatile than stocks and have historically provided a ballast to portfolios during equity market drawdowns, which as we know are normal occurrences from time to time. The maximum drawdown for bonds in any given month has been dramatically less severe than stocks. While the worst drawdown in a month for equities was negative 28%, the worst bonds have done during a month was lose by 6%, and those losses were quickly reversed. So when combined with equities, bonds help reduce total portfolio volatility, which makes for a smoother investment experience for investors. I want to finish off this update with an excerpt from the LPL Macro Market Movers blog, released Monday, March 21st, titled, Three Things That Happened Last Week That Have Bulls Smiling. Just to explain, when the market is going up, it is said to be a bull market. When the market goes down, it is said to be a bear market. So the fact that this blog post says that bulls are smiling is a funny play on words. The beginning of this blog post reads, Last week was quite the week for stocks, and the S&P 500 index gained 6.2% for its best week of the year and best weekly gain since the week of the U.S. election in early November 2020. In the process, there were some very positive signs for the bulls. First up, a bad start to a year isn't always a bad thing. In fact, on the 50th trading day of the year, which was Tuesday, March 15th, the S&P 500 was down 10.6% for the year, for the sixth worst start to a year ever. A bad start to a year isn't a death sentence, explained LPL Financial Chief Market Strategist Ryan Dietrich. Actually, we've seen some enormous bounces in previous years after bad starts, with 2009 and 2020 some recent examples, so don't lose hope yet. This blog post goes on to say, As shown in the LPL chart of the day, the S&P 500 gained at least 1% on four consecutive days last week, a very rare occurrence indeed. This was only the fifth time in history the S&P 500 gained at least 1% on four straight days, explained Dietrich. And the good news is future returns have been spectacular, up more than 20% a year later every single time and up an average of 28%. In other words, blasts of strength like we saw last week aren't the middle or the end of bullish moves. They are usually the beginning. Anytime you could say the last two signals were in 1982 in the U.S. election in November 2020, we don't want to ignore it, as both of those times kicked off strong extended returns. This blog post closes by saying, After the rough start to 2022, last week's move higher was a nice change. By no means is this an all-clear signal, but the action last week could be a clue that better times could be coming. For those of you that want to dive deeper into the numbers shared in this blog post, you can view the charts in the blog post, which will be listed in the show notes below. With that being said, let's continue on to the rest of the episode. Alright, now it's time to dive into the main episode content for today's episode, all about four questions to ask yourself about your employee benefits package. But first, I want to ask you a question. Did you know that according to a Bankrate 2021 article, 55% of Americans are expected to search for a new job in the next 12 months? Furthermore, this article shared that 77% of Gen Z workers and 63% of millennial workers will be looking for new positions in this next year. 
If you're someone who wants to search for a new job in this next year, it's important to understand what different type of employee benefits you should look into as you learn more about different benefits packages. I believe that some of the most important components in a benefits package are health insurance, life and disability insurance, retirement benefits, and remote work slash paid time off. Here are four questions I think you should ask yourself as you analyze different benefits packages. One, does my insurance cover my family members? Two, do I have options when it comes to my health deductible and coinsurance? Three, does the company have an advisor for retirement plans and life and disability insurance policies? And four, are there any expectations or rules I should know about when it comes to remote working or paid time off? All right, let's dive into each of these questions. Referring to question number one, does my health insurance cover my family members? This is a common question that many people wonder as they get married and start to expand their families. For single people, employer-provided health insurance is great, but what happens as your family grows? What normally happens is the premium, or the price, that you pay for your health insurance increases when you apply for family coverage. According to the 2021 KFF report, the average annual premiums for family coverage was $22,221, with the employer paying about $16,243 and the employee paying about $5,969. This adds up to the employer paying about 73% of the premiums and the employee paying about 27%. To contrast these prices to coverage for a single person, the average premium for single health insurance coverage is about $7,739. The employer paid about 83% and the employee paid about 17%. Please refer to the figure B from the KFF report for more details. And this figure B is found in the blog post that I wrote all about this topic. So if you want to see the report or the photo in the report for further details, please check it out. Now, as you start a new position or see yourself expanding your family in the near future, be sure to check in with your human resources department to see how your health insurance costs will change so that you could adequately adjust your budget. So now let's dive into question number two. Do I have options when it comes to my health deductible and coinsurance? I find that it can be confusing to understand the difference between the terms deductible, coinsurance, and out-of-pocket maximum. My favorite way to remember the difference between these terms is the D in deductible stands for deduction from your wallet, the co in coinsurance stands for collaboration, and the out in out-of-pocket maximum means out of the picture. Let me explain these phrases. So when you pay your deductible, this is the amount of money you must pay from your own wallet before the insurance kicks in. You are deducting money from your wallet when you pay your deductible. When your co-insurance is utilized, this means that you and your insurance company are splitting the cost between any dollar amount that exceeds your deductible. Usually you pay 20% of the cost and the health insurance pays 80%, but each company can have slight variations in the co-insurance ratio. When you reach your out-of-pocket maximum, you have paid the most medical bills to pay for this circumstance. After you reach this maximum, you are out of the picture. You reach this maximum by paying your copay, deductible, and a certain amount of your coinsurance, your portion of it. To better understand this, I'm going to be sharing an excerpt from a NerdWallet blog post. It's very, very easy to digest, and I think it's a great example that can help you understand this concept better. 
So the first example that this nerd wallet blog post elaborates on is when a woman named Prudence goes to visit an MRI and then later goes to the ER. Prudence is single and has an annual deductible of $1,200. After she pays her deductible, her co-insurance is that 80-20 split, meaning her health insurance pays 80% of the medical bills and she pays 20%. The article further explains that the MRI copay is $50 and the price of the MRI is $1,000. Since her deductible is $1,200, she will have to pay the $1,000, which counts towards her deductible, and the $50, which does not count toward her deductible. That $50 is the copay. Now her total out-of-pocket costs is $1,050. The article goes on to say that later in the year, poor Prudence goes to the ER again from a hiking accident, and the cost for the ER is $3,400. Her copay for this is now $100. But since she only has to pay $200 of the ER costs to meet her deductible, the remaining balance past her deductible is $3,200. And then of this remaining balance, Prudence will pay 20%, which is $640, and her insurance will pay 80%. So after both the MRI and the ER instances, Prudence has paid a total of $1,990. If she has more accidents, she will have to pay the 20% co-insurance portion until she reaches her plan's out-of-pocket maximum. Thank you so much, NerdWallet, for providing this helpful example. For some people, their deductible might be very high, which can cause people to have to pay a lot of money before their co-insurance kicks in. For individuals with a high deductible, an HSA can be a great resource. According to a 2021 health equity survey, 77% of respondents shared that having an HSA gave them quote-unquote peace of mind in 2021. If you would like to know more about HSA plans, please check out the Investopedia article in the show notes below. Now let's move on to question number three. Does the company have an advisor for retirement plans and life and disability insurance policies? One of the biggest struggles that we see with clients when they meet with us for guidance is that they're struggling to understand the retirement benefits better at work. With so many options, plans, and packages, it's difficult for employees to have confidence in choosing their retirement plan when they don't have someone to guide them and bounce ideas off of. According to a 2021 NAPFA survey, when asked the question, how do you save for your retirement? The top answer among responders of all ages was through their 401k. So many people's primary retirement savings is through their employer-sponsored plans, but most people don't understand these plans enough due to the fact that they're not receiving proper advice from financial professionals. The same can be true when analyzing employer-sponsored life and disability insurance. With the various clauses, benefits, and costs, it can be difficult for employees to know which option is right for them. When analyzing your retirement and insurance benefits, I challenge you to ask yourself these three questions. One, do I understand all the details? Two, is it personalized to my needs? And three, am I maximizing my benefits? If you're unsure about any of the answers to these questions, it would be smart to reach out to your financial advisor. He or she can take a look at your employer-sponsored retirement plans to analyze if the investment allocations meet your risk tolerance, time horizon, and economic outlook. The advisor can also look at your insurance packages to see if your coverage matches your lifestyle needs if something were to happen to you. A retirement plan and an insurance package should be personalized to you, and your advisor can help you with this. 
For some reference information, here are some items to be aware of when you're reviewing your 401k. The maximum 2022 elective contribution, the amount of, that the employee contributes, is $20,500. If you're 50 years or older, you can add an additional $6,500 to this. The way an employer contributes to a 401k is through the form of matching the employee's contribution up to a certain amount. The maximum combined 2022 employer and employee contribution is $61,000. If you're 50 or older, this amount is increased by $6,500. Now, our last podcast episode was our Retirement 101 episode where we dived much deeper into retirement saving and planning. So if you want to listen to that, please go check it out. So question number four, the final one for today's episode is... Are there any expectations or rules I should know about when it comes to remote working or paid time off? The final part of this episode involves the topic of paid time off. As the pandemic has caused many workers to work remotely from home, many employers are still offering paid time off to workers, but workers are taking less of it. Why? One reason is because it was difficult to travel during the pandemic. Another reason is that some people felt more stressed returning to a large pile of work after their time off. Many people felt odd to take time off even though they didn't have anywhere to go during the pandemic and were working from home. If you're looking for a new job this year, talk to your recruiter about the expectations for vacation time, paid time off, and remote working so that you know what to expect and don't have to feel guilty or stressed if you choose to take a break from work during the year. Knowing the expectations and rules can give you an added sense of confidence when creating your calendar. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Financial Wealth and Health Podcast, all about employee benefits. I hope that these tips and questions were helpful and gave you some extra insight if you're considering changing career paths or positions in your company. If you would like to stay updated on upcoming episodes, please follow Desert Wealth Management on LinkedIn and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes below. If you would like more of the financial wealth and health community, please join the LinkedIn group. We post multiple times a week and engage in topics such as time management for young professionals, budgeting hacks, how to start planning for major goals like retirement, property purchases, and having children, and many more topics that directly affect young professionals. The link to join will be in the show notes below. If you have questions, would like to schedule a financial planning appointment, or have podcast episode requests, please email me at isabel.clausen at lpl.com or message me on LinkedIn. Once again, all the info will be in the show notes below. Finally, if you want to join my email newsletter that goes out twice a month all about market updates and financial planning tips, please click the link in the show notes to sign up. Thank you so much for your time, and remember that to be financially healthy means that you make decisions in life that best support your values and goals so that you can live a life of purpose and joy. You have every ability to live a financially wealthy and healthy life. Have a great week. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss.